Uh, welcome everyone. Uh, my name's Danny. If you don't know, I'm one of the pastors here, if you haven't caught that already. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, you caught us at the tail end of a long series through Hebrews. So we're in Hebrews 12, the second part of uh, chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible with you, you can uh, turn that on and open it up to the end of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're going to start with a story. The sun finally rose and he could see the first shafts of light through the tent opening. He didn't know how long he'd been awake, but it felt like hours. The whole camp was stirring. Even inside the tent, he could feel the anticipation, the expectancy. Today, today was the day. He gently roused the children. Up you get, quickly now. As they stretch, he reaches for their very neatly folded clothes, clothes that have been scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed, and there's no uncleanliness there. He takes a deep breath. Come on, guys, get dressed. Careful now, the girl pulls a garment over her head. What's going to happen, Father? His eyes have a faraway look and he doesn't answer. Come on, her brother says. They step outside, all around them, as far as they can see, families are prepared, ceremonially clean, standing in clothes that have been cleaned again and again and again, so standing, all staring up at the mountain. What's happening, the girl asks. The father stirs. Nothing yet, but just wait. He breathes deeply. Just wait. But she's persistent. Is this like the sea, Father? Is this like the sea? He smiles then, a nervous smile, because they all remember just a few months ago when water was streaming up to the sky on this side and on that side. Um, now hurrying hand in hand, walking on the sea floor, escaping their oppressors through a corridor of mist and wonder. And they remember standing stunned on the other side as the waters crashed back into place, burying their enemies. Nothing had prepared them for that God had delivered them Moses the plagues the blood on the door then the sea they believed and they really believed he feels a squeeze on his hand dad is it he looks up again at the mountain is it Moses says God himself will speak with us today the mountain will be holy with his presence he remembers putting the markers out with the boundary markers you know anyone who goes past these markers at the base of the mountain. Anyone that goes past those will die. He glances again at his garments, at his children too, just to make sure they're all clean. Suddenly the sky darkens. Clouds thicken and form over the mountain, darker and darker. The air is electric. Lightning flashes, thunder booms and rolls through the camp and a deafening sound like a trumpet blast rises over the thunder. One long, continuous call. And terror races through the camp, and they all look to Moses standing on the edge of the camp. Moses calls something, then he walks towards the mountain, and the whole camp moves to follow. Come on, guys, he says, helping his kids. We're going, quick, quick. They walk together away from the camp towards the mountain. Thunder crashes, the trumpet blast gets louder as they walk towards the foot of the mountain. The whole camp, in the light of the flashing lightning, <coughs> the whole camp goes, and in the light of the flashing lightning, he glances at the faces around him, eyes that are that meet his are filled with the same wonder, awe, and fear, and each step is terrifying. Holding tightly to his family, he dares to look up. The smoke roils and down the mountain, covering it completely, rising out of sight into the heavens. God is here. God is here. He can feel it. The whole nation feels it. A tremor rocks the earth. Then again, the whole place is trembling, and the trumpet blast gets louder and louder. God is here. God is here. Wonderful terrifying the sound is incredible the earth shaking violently Moses calls out to God and from the top of the mountain a voice booms in answer the voice of God 
He stumbles back with everyone else. His voice joins in a chorus of terrified appeals. No, stop. Please, Moses, you go. You go and speak with God. You tell us what he says. Don't let God speak to us or we'll die. He stumbles back and they wait together in stunned silence as the mountain smokes and shakes and God talks with Moses. That was the day that the nation of Israel met God. That the people of God met with God. And you can read about that in, the, in Exodus 19 and 20. And the first, I'll tell you that story because the first readers of the letter to the Hebrews knew that story. I knew it in a way that was in their soul. Um, so last week in Hebrews, we looked at endure hardship as discipline from your loving Father. You know, take a new grip with your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees so that those who are weak and lame would not fall but become strong. That was last week. You can uh, catch that online from the app if you've got it. Um, Now the writer moves on to this, verse 14 of chapter 12 in Hebrews. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright uh, as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Um, They're the instructions in this text. What we should do. The rest of chapter 12 is more of why we should do that and how we can. It goes like this the writer says, You have not come to a physical mountain, a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did on Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. He says, that's not the mountain you've come to. Why does the writer remind us of the story? Why take the readers back to the terrifying experience of God's awesome presence at Mount Sinai that day. Um, Just this, nothing about God is flippant or small. And we've talked about coming home, we've talked about um, the invitation from Jesus to everyone, wherever you are, whatever you've done, to walk into the presence of God because of the forgiveness offered. But nothing about God in this letter is small or minimal. And now our writer who's uh, wanting to uh, build this theme of the majesty and wonder and terror of the all-powerful God reminds them, remember? Remember when God was manifest on the mountain for the people. But you, he says, you, you haven't come to that mountain. No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful, 
gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God himself who's the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who've now been made perfect. Can you hear? He's saying, remember when the people of Israel, when the people of God uh, back then, they met God and they were awestruck, terrified. Remember that? That God... Like that was just a, a, a earthly picture. You know, through Hebrews we've seen that he's an earthly picture of what's happening in the heavenly realm. He's a shadow of what's happening in the heavenly realm. He's, he's just like an image, a, a pointer, a marker, something that points us at what's actually happening in what is true reality. Not, not, our, not our broken, faded uh, reality here, but true reality, um, heaven where God is in truth. Here's another marker, the mountain. This terrifying mountain, this holy mountain, this dangerous mountain of smoke and fire and the voice of God booming. Not that mountain, this mountain, heaven, the holy thousands and thousands of angels singing in a mighty chorus. All the righteous ones, all the people, uh, not because they were righteous like perfect, but because they'd been forgiven and died in that and then they went on to be with Jesus in heaven just in this array of of people who've gone before and all the angels uh, singing joyfully. That's the mountain. It's the same God. It's the same God. So why, why then... Were they terrified and why do we not need to be? Uh, Because here's the difference. Saying you've come to Mount Zion, uh, verse 24, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Remember in the creation story, Uh, Abel is the victim of the first murder, his brother Cain, uh, who murders Abel. And God's words to Cain are, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cries out for what? For retribution. Because there's an injustice and God is holy and he's made this world good and perfect and he wants for us to engage in his... um, in his nature, in the way he wanted it to be, in his timeless, eternal, beautiful, selfless being, God says, you too can share in that. I'm giving you this choice so that you can uh, share in that. And we've used that choice to murder somebody now. And that blood cries out to God like a, in defiance of God's way. Now, that's the blood of Abel calling out for the justice that we earn when we go our way and not God's way. When we go, no God, I'm going to go my way and not yours. Uh, you might want me to be selfless and, and loving, and, but I want to do my things my way. I want to pursue my own ends. I want to do what's good for me. And I will, uh, even if it damages myself and others, I will act in what I think is my best interest. I'll be Lord of my own life. And that causes damage to us and to others and to the world around us. And that blood cries out for vengeance from God, retribution. from That's the blood of Abel. But we haven't come to that. We've come to the sprinkled blood of Jesus Christ. 
who because of that demand gave his life for you and for me. Poured out his blood for you and for me so that all of us could come home. So that when we come into God's presence, we don't come to a trembling mountain of fire and smoke and death. We come to Jesus who says, Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Come into my presence. Be with me. And forgiveness just flows like a river from Jesus forever. When we approach the throne of grace with confidence to find grace uh, to help us and mercy in our time of need, who are we approaching? Like in your mind when you go, I'm coming now to forgiveness. God, when you say Father, when you say, when you say Heavenly Father, when you say Lord, when you say God, how do you start your prayers? You know, like how do you address God? What's happening in your psyche when you look up and you go, now I'm going to pray. Now I'm going to walk into God's presence. Now I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Who are you talking to? God. Like God, world creator. God, mountain shaker. God, awesome and terrifying. God is the, who's the eternal now, who, who from him comes everything that we know and have. In him we live and move and have our being. God, who's the only reason that we exist at all is because he's put something in place that allows that to happen. God, who is, uh, who is bigger than we can possibly know, who is more powerful than we can know. Whatever picture I have, it isn't big enough, God. And, and God, who ridiculously forgives us. God who, who out of this eternal now came in the form of a human to take our place, to die for us so that we could be welcomed back into relationship forever with God. God who extends that forgiveness to everyone. You go, everyone? Everyone. What if I've said no a thousand times? Doesn't matter. You come home and God will go, welcome son, welcome daughter, everyone. God who is good, beyond good, beyond good. God who is more beautiful than you can possibly know. Whatever picture I have, it isn't good enough. God. The thing that God isn't is small or flippant. Be careful the writer says, that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Because if the people of Israel didn't escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Are we feeling this? Be careful that you don't refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. 
All this is to emphasise this command from God, this instruction from God, this exhortation. By the way, when we say exhortation, we just mean it's an inspiration to live in a certain way. It's an it's encouragement to do something. So if you think exhortation, what is that word? That's what it is. All of this is to emphasise this exhortation from God. Work at living in peace with everyone. Are we listening to the one who's speaking? Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. We've spoken about this before. Holiness is not like, look how good I am. Um, Holiness is how frequently we go back to God for forgiveness and a reset. (laughs) You know, Holiness is God, save me again, save me again, forgive me again, forgive me again. There's persistence in surrender to Jesus Christ. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Are we listening to the one who's speaking? Look after each other. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because you haven't just come to a fiery death-filled mountain. You've come to Jesus and all the saints and the angels in glory. So be careful that we listen. Notice too that these exhortations from God reference not only our own journey to holiness but the impact of this journey on others. Work at living in peace with who? With everyone. And what's the benefit of looking after each other? Everyone receives the grace of God. Uh, Your translation might say, see to it that no one fails to receive the grace of God. That is, I don't want anyone to fail to receive the grace of God. Look around here at the people around you. Do you want anyone to miss out on the grace of God? Is there anyone you go, oh, I'm happy for you to miss out on the grace of God? Think about anyone who might walk in the door. Do you think, oh, I don't really want them to receive the grace of God? Like, look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God. And we know this too. I receive the grace of God in as much as I am someone who looks after other people because that's what the grace of God does in my life. It moves me away from myself to the love, to love for others, to a here-for-you heart um, where I'd want to be there for the sake of others. Um, and if I'm here to look after you and you're here to look after me, then the person who comes in who just wants to look after himself and gets looked after gets a feel for what this grace is. Now, Jesus says, this is how all people will know that you're my disciples. You know, if you teach the word right. I mean, there's not, we need to do that, but that's not what he says there, that you love each other the way you treat each other. Look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God. And what does bitterness do? So there's a poisonous root that grows up to what? Trouble you. It's going to trouble you. And we know this. Unforgiveness, resentment, grudges, bitterness. It's the poison we take hoping that somebody else dies. Right? We know that. It's the, it's the, 
it's, it's a cancer inside of our soul. It, it'll just trouble you. Bitterness. So don't let that grow up inside you. Forgive. Let it go. Cancel the debts. Because it, we don't, you don't want it to trouble you. But it doesn't just trouble you, does it? Corrupting many. Corrupting many. My bitterness causes corruption beyond me. Are we listening to the one who's speaking? Uh, the writer concludes this section with these words. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Um, when we worship here, you, you might notice this, I'm, and you see this as I wander all over the stage too, I like to move. I'm an active uh, person, I'm an expressive person, so I, I love worship, and I'll put my hands in the air, and, I'll, and it's not just because I'm active, it's because in these songs there is truth that is, if I focus on it, is so beautiful that more than just my mouth needs to respond, I want to just go, God... It's God. Which is what's happening for me when I put my hand in the air, just in case you're wondering uh, what that is. Whatever picture I have, it isn't big enough. Like, can you hear that? Whatever picture I have, it isn't good enough. Whatever picture I have, I couldn't sum you up. I could never sum you up. Because our God, our God, our God, mountain, our God is love. Is love. Now, I don't care how you express yourself in your worship of God. I just I want for you to grasp that the person that we're singing about and talking about and praying to and leaning on when we wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Father. That is God. It's God. And he is not frivolous. He is powerful and beautiful. And our choice today, will we harden our hearts or will we listen and trust him and worship him with thankfulness and reverence and awe? Let's pray. Our Father, where we are amazed, the more we get to know you, the more amazing you are. The more we see of you, the bigger you get in our eyes. The more we experience you, the better you are in our hearts. And God, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you. And I pray, God, this morning, that our hearts would want this, that we would want more of your presence, that we would listen more carefully to what you say and that we would trust you in our lives, in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen.